Originally from Ukraine and now residing in the United States, they are called Chudyevna, which means charming or enchanting. And that was a song all about romance and young love in a cherry orchard. Dobry den, szanowni radio słuchaci. To witają was wszystkich na radio przedaczu nasz holos radio kryskoho korenia na chwili CHLY stojdeni CMFM umiestnione najmo. Premierkrofonicy chodeno je Pavlina, a pisycoho Oksana bude z wami nastupni pifodene. Hello there and welcome to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio coming to you on CHLY 101.7 FM in Nanaimo. I'm Paulette Demchuk-McQuarrie, Bukarinska Pavlina, and I'll be your host for this first hour. And Oksana will be along at 12 noon to host the rest of the show in Ukrainian. Coming up in this hour, Knishka Corner and a review of a book set during the World War I internment operations as well from the Ukrainian Jewish Heritage Audio Archives. From a couple of years ago, the, state, the story of Sadie Arafova, a Crimean Tatar who saved Jewish children during the Holocaust and who ended up being a victim of Stalin's deportation of Crimean Tatars in 1944. And the 77th anniversary of that tragic event was commemorated yesterday, May 18th. And as well, we've got our usual proverb of the week, other items of interest, and great Ukrainian music. And coming up next is a song by Previt from Montreal from their brand new CD released earlier this year, Nefsimenaya, Not All Things Fade Away. Here they are now with Horespliat, The Sleeping Hills. Субтитры 
Yeah. 
приємним був, де відіграв, там Бог почув, як серце в пісні плаче і сумує. Цю пісню він не раз співав з мінору, на мажор злітав розбитий цар, співає Галілуя. Hallelujah, Hallelujah. 
And from Ukraine, a singer I discovered on YouTube. His name is Viktor Kopot, and that, of course, the Ukrainian version of the Canadian classic by Leonard Cohen, Hallelujah. And before him, also from Ukraine, Troya Zilia, and an uh, interesting combination of a Ukrainian folk song and an American jazz classic composed by Paul Desmond and recorded by the Dave Brubeck Quartet back in 1959. And a couple of years later, it went on to be an incredibly big hit. And, of course, that was Take 5. And Troyazilia's combo, they call Take 5, pay em all. Let's drink. Welcome to Knizhka Corner, book reviews by Myra Junik. Ukrainian stories in English. In this edition of Knizhka Corner... We will be discussing Glenn Husser's novel, Firebird. Firebird is an historical novel written for young adults. It explores Canada's history of ethnic discrimination during the First World War. Canada entered the war in August 1914 to aid Great Britain against Germany and the Austro-Hungarian Empire. Many immigrants had come to Canada at the end of the 19th century and the beginning of the 20th century to escape oppression and poverty in the Austro-Hungarian Empire. When war broke out, they were labeled enemy aliens by the War Measures Act, which was passed in August 1914. Many were imprisoned in forced labor camps across Canada. Glenn Husser's novel explores the impact of this unjust imprisonment on one Ukrainian family. 14-year-old Alex Kaminsky and his older brother Marco live with their uncle Andrew on an Alberta farm. Marco is a talented artist, but he decides he must find work with a threshing crew in September 1915. One night in early December, Alex's uncle drinks too much moonshine and falls into a deep sleep. During the night, the house catches fire, and he perishes. Alex is badly burned, but manages to get out of the house. His neighbors, the Wallaces, take him home to nurse him back to health. As he recovers, he remembers the tragedy of his family journey to Canada and the deaths of his parents in Hamburg. The medicine hadn't helped. Both he and Marco had tried desperately to nurse them, but Mama slipped away first, and three days later, Tato closed his eyes for the last time. When the Wallace family learns about the death of their oldest son, Robin, who was fighting in Europe, they are devastated. Suddenly, Alex feels as if some of the family is blaming him for Robin's death. Just because he came from Eastern Europe and was now considered an enemy alien, what were they thinking? That he had somehow been responsible for Robin's death? Alex knows he must leave, and he goes to live with Mr. Bales, the owner of the general store. Alex gets a letter from his brother Marco, who was working for Mr. Granger, an abusive employer in Vagreville. Marco has befriended Granger's young Ukrainian wife, Stella, he does not yet know about the fire. Alex decides he must find Marco 
In his heart, he knew that he had to go and search for Marco. They were meant to be together. It's what Mama and Tato would have wanted. Alex begins a difficult and dangerous journey to find Marco. He takes the train to Vagreville, but discovers that his brother was arrested for theft and sent to a labor camp for enemy aliens. Stealing Granger's money? Alex felt like screaming with the outrage of it. It must have been his wages. Granger must have tried doing him out of what he's earned in the months he worked for him. When Alex visits Granger, the farmer manages to steal Alex's money as well. Now penniless, Alex must once again rely on the kindness of strangers. He is befriended by Carl Arneson, a Norwegian carpenter who takes him home and sends him to school. His grade six teacher, Mr. Delane, adopts him when Carl's family can no longer support Alex. Eventually, the teacher's family helps Alex free Marco from the Castle Mountain internment camp in Bamp. This well-written and exciting story will introduce young readers to the injustice of the internment camps in Canada during the First World War. By 1920, Canada had imprisoned over 8,000 men in these forced labor camps. More than a 100 of them died of disease and malnutrition. Some, like Marco and his friend Ivan, were injured or even killed trying to escape. However, the most devastating effect of internment was the psychological damage inflicted on the prisoners, who struggled with their unjust imprisonment for the rest of their lives. In recognition of these injustices, in 2008, the Canadian government created a $10 million First World War Internment Recognition Fund to support commemoration projects. This is a very personal novel for Glenn Husser. In his dedication, he states, In memory of my father, Harry Husser, an immigrant boy, artist, and musician. His parents were Norwegian immigrants who struggled to make a new home for themselves in Canada, like the Kaminsky family. Both Alex and Marco are courageous and determined young men who love their family and their Ukrainian culture. Despite the obvious injustice of the forced labor camps, both brothers find good people to help them survive. Marco falls in love with Granger's brutalized wife, Stella. Alex is helped by several Canadian families and finally finds a home with his teacher's widowed Aunt Maddie. The image of Marco's drawing of the firebird, a bird which rises from the ashes and triumphs in the end, reverberates throughout this poignant novel. When asked about the firebird's magic, Alex states that the bird dies in the fall, but in spring it rises in brilliance from its own ashes. Glenn Husser has been a teacher, school librarian, journalist, and sessional lecturer in children's literature and creative writing at the University of Alberta and the University of British Columbia. His first novel, Grace Lake, was shortlisted for the 1992 W.H. Smith 
Books in Canada First Novel Award. His books for young adult readers have won many awards, such as the 2003 Governor General's Literary Award winner, Stitches, and the 2007 Governor General's Silver Medal Award winner, Skinny Bones and the Wrinkle Queen. His short stories have appeared in literary magazines such as Plenitude and The New Quarterly. Glenn lives in Vancouver, where he continues to write as well as pursue interests in art and film studies. Firebird is available at Chapters Indigo and Amazon. Thanks, Myra. Join us again soon for another edition of Kanishka Corner, book reviews by Myra Junik, here on Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. Hey, 
Канадо, Канадо, я кашти сродлела. Канадо, Канадо, я кашти сродлела. Не одного мужа жінко розлучила. Гей, Ви слухаєте наш голос Радіо Українського коріння, котре подається вам на хвилі CHLY 101.7 FM у місті Нанайму. І з вами Оксана і Павліна. You're listening to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio on CHLY 101.7 FM in beautiful downtown Nanaimo with your hosts Oksana and me, Pavlina. Зелене шито, зелене, хороші гості у мене. Зелене жито, женці жнуть, хороші гості мене жнуть. Зелене жито, женці жнуть, хороші гості мене жнуть. Ой, зелене жито, зелене, хороші гості у мене. Зелене жито при межі, хороші гості від душі. Зелене жито при межі, хороші гості від душі. Ой, зелене жито, зелене, хороші гості у мене. Зелене жито ще й овес, тут зібрався рід наш увес. Зелене жито ще й овес, тут зібрався рід наш увес. Село, 
si za stolom. Oj, zelene žito, zelene, horošivosti u mene. Zelene je žito, ženci žnut, horošivosti mene žnut. Zelene je žito, ženci žnut, From a live recording made back oh, in the 1970s or 80s, a very popular group uh, in Ukraine at that time called Vatra, and that is uh, that translates as bonfire. And that song was a classic Ukrainian welcoming song, Zelenaya Zheto, Green Rose the Rye. And before them, from much closer to home, right here in Vancouver, in fact, our own Slavic soul group called Zelia, and a song from their first album that they recorded back in the 1990s. And it is a song, a very sad song, as you could tell by the melody. And it was about the plight of a Ukrainian immigrant in the early 20th century wandering around Canada having lost pretty much everything he came with, which was not much to begin with. Zilia with Hoju Pokanade. Up next from London, England, Stefan Pesichnik, otherwise known as Ludwig. And here he is with an original composition of his that he just posted on YouTube a couple of days ago. It is called Odnach Velena. Just a minute. soldiers are killed or wounded by Russian invaders. You can help wounded heroes by joining the Adopt-A-Soldier program of registered charity Ukraine War Amps. A small monthly donation goes very far for medical services and living expenses and creates a special bond between you and a wounded hero. 100% of your contribution goes to the soldier. Please, adopt a soldier today. Visit ukrainewaramps.ca or find us on Facebook. 
And now for a look at Ukraine's rich Jewish heritage, then and now, brought to you by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter based in Toronto, Ontario. Stories continue to surface about people in Ukraine and surrounding areas who saved Jews from the Nazis during the Holocaust in World War II. Each one of them is heartrending and inspiring in its own unique way. But one story that has emerged very recently is particularly astonishing. It's the story of a Crimean Tatar woman who saved the lives of 88 Jewish children not once, but twice, first from the Nazi Gestapo, and again two years later, from the Soviet secret police, the NKVD. The story has come to light as the result of a film recently released in Ukraine and screened in Canada and the United States. The film recounts events of the Holocaust, but through the prism of another genocide, the 1944 deportation of the Crimean Tatars, which itself has come to light only recently. In April of 1944, Soviet forces regained control of Crimea after more than two years of Nazi occupation. But almost immediately after the peninsula was liberated, it faced a new wave of repression from its liberators. In May of 1944, on orders of Soviet dictator Joseph Stalin, Crimean Tatars were deported en masse. Many died in transit or were killed by the NKVD. Many others perished from inhumane treatment and conditions during transit and resettlement. The Ukrainian film Chuja Moletva, which translates as A Prayer of Strangers, or Alien Prayer, tells this tragic but inspiring story of the rescue of dozens of Jewish children twice during World War II. The story is based on real-life historical events and characters. Sadie Arafova was a Crimean Tatar woman running a kindergarten in the small city of Bekchisarai when the Nazis invaded the Crimean Peninsula in 1941. As they were being rounded up by the Nazis, the Jews of Bekchisarai tried to save their children by sending them into hiding. Some of the children found Sadie Arafova's kindergarten and sought refuge there. Deathly afraid, at first she refused but compassion won, and she agreed to shelter them. Since the Nazis had recently ordered her to harbor the street children of Bakchisarai, her kindergarten had become essentially an orphanage. So Sadie hid the Jewish children in plain sight. She did this by giving them each a Crimean Tatar identity. She forged documents and switched identities by tampering with state documents to give them each a new name and life story. She taught them Islamic and Tatar traditions so they could pass as Crimean Tatars. To complete the picture, she taught them how to pray like Crimean Tatars. It was a dangerous move in a dangerous time. The Nazis were constantly suspicious and always on the lookout for Jews. At one point they called Sadie in for questioning and beat her savagely. But she held fast to her story. The true identities of the Jewish children remained secret until the end of the Nazi occupation. This daring rescue saved the Jewish children from the Nazis. It also saved them from the next unexpected wave of terror by the Soviets. But this second time, Sadie's luck ran out. No sooner had the Red Army liberated the Crimean Peninsula from the Nazis, it unleashed its own murderous attack on innocent civilians. This time, the target was the Crimean Tatars. Stalin ordered them deported en masse on the false accusation of having collectively collaborated with the Nazis. 
over 180,000 Crimean Tatars, nearly 20% of the peninsula's entire population, was deported. They were herded into crowded, uncomfortable, and unsanitary train cars on virtually no notice in a matter of just three days. Crimean Tatar men fighting in the Red Army were demobilized and sent into labor camps in Siberia and in the Ural Mountains. Civilians were shipped off to Uzbekistan in Central Asia and remote regions in Russia. The majority of the civilian deportees were women, children, and the elderly. Conditions of the transfer were exceedingly harsh and fatal for many of them. The weakest ones soon succumbed to malnutrition, thirst, cold, overcrowding, and infectious diseases in transit and in the ill-prepared settlement camps. It is estimated that up to half perished within the first 18 months of exile. Sadie Arafova and her entire orphanage were about to be hauled away by the NKVD when she revealed the long-hidden birth certificates of her Jewish charges. The NKVD let the Jewish children go, but Sadie and the Crimean Tatar children were shipped off to Uzbekistan. It was only after Ukraine gained independence in 1991 that Sadie was able to return to her hometown of Bakhtisarai in Crimea. She passed away in 2007. Just a few years later, history would repeat itself. The Kremlin struck again in 2014, and today Russia once again occupies Crimea. Ironically, the second Russian occupation of Crimea has helped to shed light on the first and on the genocide that followed. As scholars became aware of it, they pushed to open secret archives, and survivors began to speak of it. A popular Ukrainian singer of Crimean Tatar descent released a song which won the 2016 Eurovision contest, much to the chagrin of the Kremlin. The lyrics for Jamila's song 1944 is based on the story of her great-grandmother, who was deported in 1944. It became the theme song for the film Chuja Moletva, A Prayer of Strangers. The director of A Prayer of Strangers is a Crimean Tatar himself, born in exile in Uzbekistan in 1972. He knows the Crimean Tatar Muslim prayer well. Some episodes of the film are based on his own family's stories. During the Soviet era, it was forbidden to even mention the 1944 Crimean deportation. Now, despite the displeasure of the Kremlin's current occupants, the story is nonetheless becoming better known outside Russia. But in Russian-occupied Crimea today, Tatars still living there are again forbidden to hold public commemoration of the victims of the deportation in their native land. And they face repressions which are little known and seldom reported in the Western media. Because of the current Russian occupation of Crimea, filming was done in mainland Ukraine and in neighboring Georgia, which has a similar topography to Crimea. Filming was done in Russian, German, and Georgian, and later dubbed in Ukrainian. It was released in Ukrainian theaters in 2017. Last year, it was released with English subtitles and the title 87 Strangers. It screened in Toronto and Ottawa in the fall of 2018, by Crimean Tatar organizations in Canada in cooperation with the Ukrainian-Canadian Film Festival. It has also been screened by a few Jewish organizations in the United States.
an interview with the director of A Prayer of Strangers by Ukraine's public broadcaster, Hromadska Radio, can be found in Ukrainian and in English translation at the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter website. It is titled, A Boomerang of Goodness. In the next episode of Ukrainian Jewish Heritage here on Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio, we will air an interview with Adrian Zwicker, an Austrian actor who played the role of the Nazi SS officer in the film Chuja Moletva, A Prayer of Strangers. This is Paulina, producer and host of Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. I hope you enjoyed this story of the brave Crimean Tatar woman. Please join us for more of the story on the next episode of Ukrainian Jewish Heritage here on Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. So, until then, Shalom. Ukrainian Jewish Heritage is brought to you by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter, based in Toronto, Ontario. To find out more about their work, visit their website and follow them on Facebook and Twitter. Transcripts and audio files of this and earlier broadcasts of Ukrainian Jewish Heritage are available at their website, ukrainianjewishencounter.org, as well as at the Nasholos website, www.nasholos.com. Strangers are coming They come to your house They kill you all And say we're not guilty Not guilty Where is your mind? Humanity cries You think you are God But everyone dies Don't swallow my soul Our souls Oh, my God.
popular Ukrainian singer Jamila with a song that tells the story of the Crimean Tatar deportations of 1944, in which her own great-grandmother was a victim. And that song won first place in the 2016 Eurovision contest. It is called simply 1944. Well, on a happier note, picking up the pace now with Edmonton's Millennia, here they are with Ostafi's Odyssey. And our proverb of the week translates as A gentle tongue is sometimes more painful than a whip. You're listening to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio here on CHLY 101.7 FM in Nanaimo. I'm Pavlina and my time with you is up. Oksana will be here at the top of the hour to host the rest of the show. Thanks for listening. Dozusrichi. Раз до рання, люба ще хворела, впала в 
Боятся на перроне в каташе спела А ехал я в Вену, бегу юбку куповатки А там фанатил человеку юши дуроватки
APL is more than a business. We are making dreams a reality. Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.